So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ease Conversations. I just want to start off by saying thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and Basam and I. Sam, thanks a lot for popping in for 20 minutes. Appreciate it. Always love having you on and look forward to having you on again down the road. So now for episode 55 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. Say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? And I hope you're all excited for this episode. And I'm very excited. And it's going to be something like not a topic that you hear a lot about. So, I mean, I, I hope everyone's uh, ready for this episode. Big time. So our guest for this episode will be my friend who will take us on a cinematic journey unlike any we have ever had on this podcast before. No pressure. Welcoming the homie Kevin Andrews to the pod. Say what's up to the people. Hello, everyone. Nice to chat to you all. Yes, sir. Happy to have you on. So our topic of discussion will be props in cinema. And throughout our discussion, we'll be going over many different movie genres and talk about some of our favorite set pieces, accessories, costumes, etc. But first, we'll start off with a couple of questions to get to know our guest and get some background on your film knowledge, Kevin. So the first question we have prepared for you is, at what age did you start getting into movies? Do you remember? Was there a specific memory Absolutely, I do. Okay. Uh, so I got into movies when I was extremely young. It was the only thing that really uh, like kept me occupied as a kid. I was like, you know, borderline ADD, running around all over the place, and uh, that's an official diagnosis, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and movies and TV was the only thing that would keep me like settled. Like I would sit and just watch for hours because I was enthralled by it. And I'm pretty sure that I saw the. I saw uh, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope when I was about maybe two, two and a half, and that's the first movie that I can really remember wow. like seeing and understanding what was going on. And I can tell you that 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 sparked my love of movies. The reason that I studied film and my degree is in film is because of Star Wars. Because of this, it sounds cliche, but it's it's the the magic that that Star Wars gives it it feels like you're there and I, I you, you rarely get that with with a lot of movies um but that's the one that really that that always brings me back to like being a kid and like you know being in my 20s now I can still watch it and I still will sit and watch the whole thing and you know, the phone is aside I'm not distracted at all and I'm just it just like I said enthralled by it it's everything that I could want in a movie Wow. What an answer. Me too. Like going back, I don't know if Star Wars is actually the first movie that gave me those feelings, but huge Star Wars guy as well. I have distinct memories of kind of different here, but being at my grandmother's house and watching Return of the Jedi. And when we were younger, my brother and I could not stand the, like the scene with the rancor when Luke goes in the pit at Jabba's <laughs> palace. So my mom would always fast forward that scene for us just so we wouldn't have to watch it. I'd be terrified. If you've listened to this pod, you know that it didn't take much for me to be scared to watching movies. And I remember being at my grandmother's and the no, like obviously there's a bunch of stuff going on in the background. People aren't paying mm-hmm. attention to the movie that's playing and monitoring the scene scene that my my brother and I are afraid of right so I went and got my mother like fast forward the scene like I remember specifically <laughs> like I know that there's a lot of other Star Wars memories that I have there but that's always one that I remember we were really young when we saw them as well like I said I don't know if we were two and a half mm-hmm. specifically but super young and yeah I mean what an answer yeah that that's mm-hmm. amazing Kevin that you can remember that um and like my, the, the second question we have for you is like your memory, favorite memories, like as a kid or a teenager. And you kind of answered that. Mm-hmm. And well, myself as a teenager, what the movie that got me into like obsessively watching movies was when I watched Goodfellas when I was 15. So now I just want to throw it to you like any when you were a little older, do you remember seeing any like like a masterpiece for the first time where you're like, oh, this is like art or. Well, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um when I was really young, like, I was obviously really into, like, you know, the, the, the action parts of movies. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a young male. I enjoy, like, the, the, the guns, the action, the explosions. It's just, it's just what I was exposed to, and that's what I ended up liking. And uh, I, I, there were some movies that, like, I didn't really, I didn't really understand a lot. 
Um, and then as I got older, I really got to understand the, 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 the story behind it. And it was less about the, the, the actual just views of it, but more about like the stories. And then I find myself like now, uh, I don't really necessarily have a specific one, but like, as I was getting older into my, like into my teenage years and into my twenties now, I'm really into like those, those political thrillers sort of thing, those spies, everything that has like that extra layer. And it doesn't have to be like a, oh, there's a twist at the end mm -hmm. or like, oh, the, you know, the good guy ends up being the evil guy behind it all along. It's more just like the, the politics, whether they're fake politics or whether it's like a Cold War movie and they're real politics. Mm -hmm. Something about that, like, like I, actually, I'll go, I'll play off that then. One of my favorite movies, currently I'll say, because I go through phases where I really love movies and then I just won't watch them for a while. Mm -hmm and then I'll get back into them, is uh, Spy Game with Brad Pitt and Robert Redford. That, I just, it's the perfect combination of action, political thriller, and it's just, it's paced so nicely that I just, I love the way that everything comes together. And it may not be like, oh, you know, it's, it's got an, it's coming, you know, an Oscar's coming its way sort of thing like that. But I... To me, it's a great movie, and I'm not one of those people who, like, I understand film is art. Not, while film is art, I don't think it has to be art for art's sake. I think film is primarily a form or a medium of entertainment, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with uh, liking Hollywood movies. I, I really, having been in a, in a degree relating to film, there are a lot of people who are film snobs and mm -hmm. I really, I, I can't stand it because there is nothing, it's all about what you enjoy. There's nothing wrong with enjoying documentaries instead of fictions. There's nothing like for me, I, I like sci-fi over fantasy. I always have and I always will. There's just, that's just what I like more. But, you know, just because I don't watch some, you know, Russian movies from the thirties <laughs> yeah. where they had a whole bunch of new techniques. Like I watched those in class and I appreciate what they did for the history of film and mm -hmm. the art of film and the style of film. I appreciate what they did and I'm not going to dismiss them because they're obviously super important, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, if you like Hollywood movies, then you're obviously beneath me because you know, I watch something obscure and you sound like a filthy hipster yep. because of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just, I just, I really think that there is, there is nothing wrong with enjoying a film. And like, again, my tangent all stems from, I enjoy Spy Game. It's not a fantastic movie, but it's well done enough that it keeps me entertained for the entire time. And I always enjoy watching it. I, I never get bored. There's no parts where I'm going to sit and fast forward it and be like, nah, okay, I don't need to do this. It's just... That's what I, that, that's what I have to say, but for, for, as I get older, that's what I can appreciate about film more. Wow. You took some words right out of my, yeah, you took some words right out of my mouth. Cause I've been saying this for years. Like those big spy game guy as well, Matt. I like spy game. I, I'm a big Tony Scott fan. Like I like, enjoy a lot of his movies because they're not like they're entertaining. Like Kevin said. And, uh, um, but no, I, We'll have this, we're going to go back on this when we talk about you studying mm -hmm. film, about film snobs, because I have mm -hmm. lots to say on For that sure. too. So, uh, Eric. <laughs> Before we jump to the next question, like something, you said a lot in there, Kevin, but I'm, I think one of the things you said that I picked up on is when you were younger, maybe you appreciated, you liked movies maybe a little more just for the action side of it. And I'll bring it back to Star Wars a little mm -hmm. bit again. Not Definitely. the originals, but the It's going to be a Star Wars heavy pod. Uh, every, every episode we make a Star Wars reference <laughs> and reference the fact that I've been in a movie. Not a big deal. Anyways, so uh, for Star Wars, the prequel series, Not a big deal. when we were younger, right, those movies came out when we were like younger than 10 years old. So we would watch those movies, or I would anyways, just for the lightsaber action sequences like Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul in Phantom Menace, of course, mm -hmm. one of the best fight scenes in any mm -hmm. movie, in my opinion, Definitely. the duel of fates. Definitely. And I didn't really understand the political intrigue that the original, the prequel trilogy has going on in the background. Like that, a lot of that stuff was just going mm -hmm. way over my head. And now looking at those movies later on being older in our twenties. Now we understand it more and appreciate it a lot more than we did back then. Would that be a fair statement to say based on your changing understanding and appreciation of cinema 
I was actually going to reference that exact scenario with Phantom Menace Beautiful. when we got into talking later because Phantom Menace is my favorite prequel. Nice. Ooh, I like it right. more than than I, I personally think I think Attack of the Clones is weakest. I think everyone can agree on that. Yeah. But I don't I think Revenge of the Sith has memorable moments. I think that the the Order 66, the entirety of that is it, it's almost heart-wrenching in a way because even if you may not be attached to the characters you feel so much that's going on because it's just, it's shot very well. I, like, I, I will say that while George Lucas is definitely a better writer than a director, he definitely take. did a good job. Hot take. Yeah, well, you know, he, like, he, he may have directed in, in the originals, you know, when he was doing A New Hope, but he didn't do Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. So because he didn't do those, they have a different sort of mm -hmm. feel to them, Absolutely. whereas the prequels, you know, I, the, there's rumors that I've heard about a six-hour cut of The Phantom Menace <laughs> somewhere out online, and I wish I could see that. I don't even, I don't know if it's real, but man, do I wish I could see that, because apparently it explains a lot of, of all the, the background stuff, and it really sets the tone for what, you know, Star Wars becomes. So... It's funny that you mentioned Phantom Menace because, like I said, that that's my favorite, and that's what I was gonna say is that Phantom Menace feels like it's it feels like a Star Wars movie, whereas the other ones, yeah, they're Star Wars, but they feel a little bit almost shoehorned. Like I I understand that they tell part of the story, but I feel like it's just it kind of I want more out of those. Whereas Phantom Menace, I can watch and I can understand in itself in its entirety. It's the same with A New Hope, because A New Hope is my favorite of the, uh, of the original trilogy, and I'm in the category of another hot take incoming. A New Hope is better than Empire Strikes Back, but I think that's just because I like it more. I'm not against Empire Strikes Back. I I'm never going to say like that movie isn't good or anything. It obviously is like the, the moment where, spoiler alert, Vader says that he's Luke's father. It's, it's such a mind-blowing moment, and especially like if you're a kid too, like... Like, that's, that's one thing, it sounds incredibly goofy and nerdy, but, like, that's one moment I'm looking forward to, that when I have kids, I can show them that moment, and I can watch their reaction, because I know it's coming, but they don't. So, but, I, I just, I find Empire takes a little time to get somewhere, but, and I find, like, A New Hope, much like A Phantom Menace, it's self-contained. Yes, it tells a larger story, and yes, there's more in it that it stems into the other movies. But if you watch the movie, you can watch the movie and be come complete about it. You can see it and when you watch it, it has a beginning, it has a middle, it has the come down, and then it has the actual end. And you can sit there having said, that was enjoyable and I feel like I got all of the aspects of the story and whatever I didn't left me wanting more in a way that I want to know more and not, I felt the movie was lacking. Okay. Not that I don't want to add on to what you're saying here. No, I'm but I, need a Star I think Wars this segues well into them, our yeah. next question for you, which I feel like we may see a new hope pop up in here, but what would be either your top three or top five favorite movies of all time? I see, like I said before, I, I fluctuate from favorite movies. Like I'll say, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll just, we'll just thumbtack a new hope in there and I won't order them because I, I don't, I don't like ordering stuff because I find like, I feel like, I, like I'm almost cheating on my movies. Like I, I can't put one above the other because what if in that moment I feel like watching something that's comedy yeah. or if I want to watch something that's sci-fi or you know whatever it is. We can tack in Spy Game like I said before. Uh, I'll watch pretty much anything with Brad Pitt. I don't know why, it's just his movies are great. One of my all-time favorite movies because I think it's just a fantastic comedy is my cousin Vinny. Oh yeah, yes. great movie. Under like, that feel, doesn't get brought up nowadays in like our generation. I want to say definitely. It's so something about that movie. That's another one. Like I can watch that and I feel complete. And every single time, I laugh at that movie. And normally every single time do I laugh at it. But sometimes I know what's coming and I'll start giggling to myself. <laughs> That's a sign for me that it's a good comedy because I'm watching it again and I, I know, I know he's going to slip and fall in the mud when he's trying to get, when he's trying to get his car out of the mud there. 
and I know he's gonna throw his suit pants in the mud and it's gonna make me laugh every single time. It's more than just a slapstick humor. There are a little bit of like the, the higher the higher brow jokes in there and but it's got the low hanging fruit humor and I'm very again, like I was saying with the if you like Hollywood movies, nothing wrong with that. I also have no problem going for low hanging fruit when it comes for jokes because that's my bread and butter because I'm not actually funny. I just go for the easy stuff, just quirky one-liner right in there, and that's about all I'm good for. So for me, like, I like those, I, I like a movie like that, that something that's almost, it almost like familiar, it's something that invites you in and makes you feel when, when you're watching the movie that you're, you're, you're part of it almost in a way. And you may not be part of it as in you're a character, but you feel engrossed in the world. And, and my cousin Vinny, the way it makes you laugh, it makes you feel like that could happen to me. You know, I could walk out of a store with a can of tuna in my pocket and, and like, that's, oh no, I, I stole something. Like they're, they're going to send the cops after me. And it's, you know, it's kind of like your worst nightmare when you finally learn what shoplifting is and you're like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. So I will say, I also really love, um, the back to the future series. Yes. Like, and I, that's, that's another series. I'm a firm believer that where the second one is better than the first. And I'm a firm believer that back to the future two is better than one. Not that one is bad. One is an incredible movie, but I think that two expands on everything that can go with it. And again, like one is a self-contained movie. You can watch mm -hmm. one, mm -hmm. feel the whole story play out. And you're like, you sit back at the end. That was great. It leaves me wanting more, but it wasn't lacking. Mm -hmm. But Back to the Future 2, having just seen, like, because that's what you're thinking in the first one. Wow, this could have gone very wrong. And then 2 shows you exactly how it could have gone, gone wrong. It almost answers a question that you didn't know how to ask it. You can say, wow, this could have gone wrong. And then 2 shows you, hey, actually, this is exactly how it could have gone wrong. The entire future could be literally destroyed because of this one thing that you did. Biff in a sports almanac. That's all it took. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gray's sports almanac. That's all, yeah, that's all it was. It, it's that, that's what I like about the movie. It's like, it's one thing and it's, you know, you don't have to be paying attention. That's the whole point of the movie is that they have to get this book back. But I, I like how it's the tangent went off of it. And I, I, I also, I like Back to the Future rules of time travel, as long as everybody is where they're supposed to be, the timeline is fixed, mm -hmm. so to speak. You know, if you're, if you're playing by 12 monkeys rules, then you can't change anything or else, you know, you're, you're totally, you're up the creek. Same, you know, butterfly effect. It's that sort of thing. You know, as soon as you change one thing, you're done. But whereas I, I kind of like the back to the future thing where it says he did actually punch Biff because he because he, he got mad when Biff was laughing because he was supposed to be punching Marty because Marty's plan involves fixing this whole scenario by doing exactly what he said he was going to do, which then translates to, oh, the, the actual original story is in play in terms of uh, they get together in the end, except, you know, now their family's a little wealthier, a little happier. Everything is 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 better, so to speak, but the timeline is still, mm -hmm. it's still intact, so to speak. Okay, I got one. We're going off the, we're going a little off the record because I'm going again. It's along with Terminator 2 being better than one and Back to the Future 2 being better than one. I'm going to say this movie, number two, unequivocally better than oh. one, Shrek 2. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> nice. you're going to say Godfather 2, I was going to scream. No, no, no. Godfather 2, that's too easy. That's it's too not easy. Everybody's going to say it's that. It's not even better than 1, 2. Anyways, Shrek, Shrek 2. Shrek 2, super good movie. Shrek 2 is, plays like a Hollywood action movie when, when, they, all, when they become the heroes and they drink the potion and that sort of thing. But I, I just, Shrek 2 has one of the best sequences in any movie ever, and that's the I need a hero scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from... That entire scene makes the movie worthwhile. It's such a great ending to the story because they're mocking the 80s movies with such an 80s song that it wor and it works so well, especially considering they get the fairy godmother to be the one singing it. 
And, you know, the, the movie is, is counting down the moment until, oh no, that true love's kiss, and then Prince Charming and Fiona are together forever, and Shrek doesn't have a chance. And it's, it's that, like, you know, that classic diffusing a bomb when you cut the wire and there's one second left on the clock. But it, it's just, the, the music is a perfect choice. That part just sums it up perfectly for something as goofy as an ogre going and rescuing the princess, and then the princess is an ogre in the original. And then it's a continuation, but it's a continuation, like, like I said with Back to the Future, it's something you didn't know you wanted. That, that's what I love about it, is saying like, I didn't know I wanted this. I didn't know I wanted to see Shrek in an 80s montage fighting through waves of bad guys. So that's why I'll say one of my favorite films is definitely Shrek 2. Shrek 2 doesn't get brought up enough, I think, in the great movie sequels. It's definitely one of the best ones that I've seen anyways, absolutely. So I, I love to see that included in your top five off the dome too. So good stuff. Yeah, well said, Kevin. You, you can tell the passion in your voice. Now, can you rattle off like a couple of your favorite directors quickly? Spielberg is one of my favorites. Okay. Like I, I, almost anything Spielberg does is just, mm -hmm. like I said, his movies, like they're, they're inviting. Like I, I enjoy being lost in his worlds. Um, I definitely like, um, like Kubrick. I like the experimental stuff that Kubrick does. Um, I, I like Ridley Scott, even though Ridley Scott's movies are very, both tonality and camera wise, they're very dark. I, you know, I, I like, I, I like, I like the world of Blade Runner. I like the world of Alien. Like I said earlier, way earlier, I'm definitely more sci-fi than fantasy. It's just, I don't know why, I think it's probably the Star Wars love that I, I always, it always comes back to the Star Wars there. So, the last question we'll ask you before we get to our topic of discussion, which was the props in cinema. What film franchise or trilogy would you bring on a desert island with you? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna excuse myself from picking Star Wars, because I think that that would just be a cop-out answer, because of everything that I've mentioned before. And, uh, and I'll, I'll excuse Back to the Future as well. I think, right, since it's thematically correct, I think I would take the first three and only the first three of either the Indiana Jones mm -hmm. trilogy or the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. Ooh, okay. And, and I, again, I love Spielberg. In Indiana Jones is is that is also a movie that makes me feel invited that makes me feel like i really am on the adventure and and discovering the the ancient artifacts that he is but i i just i love like i was saying earlier the the, the political intrigue of it you know when i was when i was a kid because i'm sure like like you guys you watched movies that were considered like meant for like like adults in terms of, like, you watched Indiana Jones and, you know, you watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, you watched the Nazi get his face melted. <laughs> Turned away for that part, but... <laughs> Mom fast-forwarded. <laughs> you, you get scared of that part, but, you know, you don't really understand who the Nazis are when you're a kid. You don't really understand why they're looking for the Ark of the Covenant. You know that it's got a bunch of ghosts in there, but you don't know exactly what it does. And being older, like that's what I really like. Uh, that's what I like about it, and that's why I like the Indiana Jones movies because it's so much more than just you know some old guy looking for looking for treasure. He's doing it for a reason because he's a teacher and he appreciates art for art's sake. And he appreciates the value that it has. And that's what I appreciate about the movie. Like it has value as, as an art form, but it has value as, as entertainment because those movies do mean a lot to me because I, I like adventure. I, it may not be sci-fi, but it's, it's an adventure movie. I, I enjoy the, the worlds mm. that get created in these. Well said. And yeah. I'm also just a huge pirate buff. I, I love all things pirates. And I don't know why I honestly... I, I think I have an explanation as to why I like pirates so much, and it goes. We're gonna we're gonna set the wayback machine about eighteen years here to two thousand and three, because that was when the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie came out. But, and I know I've told Eric this before, probably many times. He's probably heard heard enough of it. But I also love the TV show Survivor, 
I'm a huge Survivor fan. That my ultimate goal is to get on that show. That that is like my life stream. No matter what, like nothing more that I want is to is for that because I like I just I know I'm gonna win. But also in 2003, they did the they did a um, a, a pirate themed season where they went when they were shooting in Panama and all the. Like, even the tribe names were named after Drake and Morgan, you know, two famous pirates. And it also premiered in 2003. And I think that that's what started my love for pirates. And I love the idea that I could take a, a movie about pirates in the Caribbean onto a tropical island. Mm. So I think that one probably edges out as a winner okay. just because, like I said, I like the low-hanging fruit. I like the pun of going pirate to the Caribbean in the Caribbean. <laughs> wow, that's... Kevin, you've explained your answers so thoroughly, like, amazing. Tiramisu. Um, on Indiana Jones, love Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course, and I do like um, The Last Crusade, but Temple of Doom is a movie that I've tried and tried to give multiple second chances to. I just cannot get into that movie. Maybe I'm alone on this take. I like it. Listeners, no, let like me it. know. I just do not like that movie. Could never get into it. Kind of the same thing for Pirates as well. A crossover of that. I think, um, what's the second one called? Ten Dead Man's, Dead Man's Chest. Chest was okay, but At World's End was god-awful. I've only seen it a couple of times. I cannot <laughs> give it another chance. But hey, I respect your answers. You've explained them super well. And I love Cur The Curse of the Black Pearl. I think it's a fantastic movie. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen the fifth one, and I, wa I think I've already Don't said bother. this on the pod. I watched the fourth one in two sittings and still didn't finish the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said the first three and only the that's first true. three of both these series. Specify. Both the Indiana Jones series and both the Pirates series. We're just going to ignore Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and we're going to ignore On Stranger Tides and whatever the fifth one was called. <laughs> And also, uh, as we were writing these questions up for you there, I just for fun like thought of this as it's not a trilogy and it's a part of a larger universe. But I do think that the three-movie run from Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, and Avengers Infinity Wars is supreme leader Snoke. But I think th like those three movies, if I could just take those three on an island, I mean, that would be a pretty solid, uh, solid choice, I think. No, okay. I'm, I'm I'm alone on that one. It's all good. <laughs> no, I mean it. I'm picking Lord of the Rings any every day of the week for that answer. No, I wasn't saying that would be my answer. I'm just yeah. saying like I've just been watching these Marvel movies lately, and like that run of three movies, I think is pretty solid. So now to get into like the meat of the episode, Kevin, we want to talk about movie props with you. And like the first question is super simple. It's like, where did this come from? Like the origin of your passion, or like yeah, what's the origin story of that? Mm -hmm. so it's it's funny that i'm i'm gonna go into another detailed answer but and shockingly enough it's gonna relate to star wars okay. <laughs> this is this is because this is how i know that for sure i saw star wars when i was definitely about two or two and a half because for my third birthday i was gifted the the vhs set of um the star wars uh, trilogy, the special editions. Mm. At the beginning of the Star Wars special editions, the 97 versions, of course, it's, since it's a VHS, you don't have a DVD menu to choose special features from. They put these featurettes, these, these 10, 15 minute featurettes before of how the movies were made and what they did in the special editions. Uh, you know, you've got the, the, the producers and some of the, some of the designers and George Lucas, and they're talking about all the changes they made. And that's really what inspired my love for making the movies because I, as much as I talk about, like, I'm enthralled in the world and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm part of it. I also can take the step back and say, I know I'm watching a movie and I can look at that and go, that's really cool. How did they make that? How did that get created? Like where, where was the... Where was the, the design originally going to go and where did it, how did it end up here and how was that built? And because that's what I love is, is the, the creativity about it and creativity in this case is, is about the props because I like, I like CG. I think it works. Mm -hmm. I think there are still some things that need to be perfected. But I, the, the tangible aspect for me of a movie is the things, it, the things in the movie. 
it's not necessarily the acting or the story because what for me my favorite part is looking at the objects you know whether it's the magic macguffin that that everybody needs to find for the 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 story to continue or whether it's you know Luke's lightsaber the first time that he's looking at it and he's in he's in Obi-Wan's hut and and he's holding it and the way that that Alec Guinness is holding it he's almost kind of covering it and, and that that moment I was like, I want, I want to see that. I, I just, I want to hold that. I want to touch it. I want to make sure that like it's real because to me, Star Wars is real. Like it's, I, I'm, I'm a kid, you know, I'm, I'm getting lost in the world, but I, I know that it's, that that is something that I would want to touch and be like, I'm part of this world now. So having and understanding the, um, that, that movies are created by people, that's how I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to create something so that I could sit back and go to the movie and when I'm watching it, I can go, I made that, or you know, like I had a hand in that, or I did this. And, and it makes you feel like, like you're part of it. You're part of the world. Now, no matter what, no one can ever take that away from you, sort of thing like that. Like, like Eric, you said, you've been in a movie. I was gonna bring it you... up again, but you did it for me, yes. I can't <laughs> wait to see myself on screen. Exactly. That's the thing. No one can take that away from you. That world to you is real. You have the experience of that. And that's what I love about props is because I, I like, I also love the sound of movies. I'm definitely like uh, something, something that really would, would take me out of a movie is the, is the sound. And, but the props are the number one thing, because when I, when I see a prop, I know that it's not somebody who just went and they took like for a lightsaber, for example, they didn't just take a pipe and glue a bunch of pieces onto it and said, here, there it is. They took metals that, that had no business being together. Like the, the bottom part of, of, of the lightsaber is, I believe it's like a, like a windshield wiper or something like that, that they cut up and glued onto it. I think the, the, the actual like center part, the metal part is like a, a camera flash, an old camera flash that reporters used to have in like the thirties with the big bulb in it. It's actually the tube from that. And I like, that's what amazes me. It's like, who would think to put those two things together and put something on a screen that looks so real to me. It, it doesn't, it didn't break the magic for me when I was watching the special editions. Cause I would look at it and go, wow, they're telling me exactly how they created that. How can I get into doing that? Because you know, I played with a bunch of Lego as a kid and I could build a bunch of stuff. Why can't I do this? If you really want to know where it became a possibility for me, because it was always a dream, it has to do with an episode of Pawn Stars. Okay. I definitely, I, I like watching History Channel shows because I like learning. I like the, the learning aspect. Of course, the show is garbage and it's probably all like fake. They're not, act, these people don't own these products. They're just products that they're saying, hey, I have this from somewhere. We want to buy it. Here's the story. But there was an episode where they went to England and they had some of the original props from Star Wars and they talked to one of the original prop makers from Star Wars. And that was the moment, and this was only a couple months ago, like this was during the quarantine. I, I was watching this episode and I went, what's stopping me from doing that? There's like thousands of YouTube videos on how to make props. And there's like, you know, thousands of Instagram pages of people who do this. And I think, you know, like maybe I don't get noticed, but what's stopping me from doing something that I love? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to necessarily lead to something, but it's my creative outlet. Mm -hmm. And if it does lead to something, that's fantastic because like, that's something that I would love, absolutely love to do as a job and wake up every day and get to create stuff. But seeing that episode and they're talking to the guy and he's holding, I believe it was it was a Han Solo's DL-44 blaster that he's holding and he, he's looking at it and he goes, yep, that's one of mine. Yeah, I, I made it because I remember I did this, this, and this to it. And I'm going, wow. like, oh my God, like, I'd love to do that. Like, I'd love to be able to look at this and be like, yes, I made this. And yes, you can see it on the big screen. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I saw my name in the credits. Look at me, I'm headlining the, right after the, the production company. No, it's just like, I got to put my part into it. I got to have my creativity put in there because it, it's, it's, that's my outlet. My outlet isn't acting. My outlet is the creativity aspect and props allow me to, 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 to indulge in that. Mm -hmm. 
Great wow. answer. And I mean, Great I, I answer, think yeah. the, the three of us all love uh, cinema there, and we would all love to be a part of the creative process of actually being in a movie. But like you said, like just for you, it's something you picked up during quarantine, a hobby. We need creative outlets now more than ever, right? So that's when we were talking about mm-hmm. getting you on the pod here, and you told me about that. I thought that was genius. Like mm-hmm. We had to tap into this creative energy mm-hmm. because like I don't know anyone else who has put time and effort and wanted to learn more about creating or building your own props and you told mm-hmm. me that you're building your own lightsaber do you care like i think this would segue into the next question which would be what are some of your favorite props in film i'm sure the lightsaber will pop up there um, before you answer i'll just share a couple of mine that i also thought of some things in re-watching all the mcu movies lately like the infinity gauntlet that thanos wears i think is really cool like the tesseract just how they built all, uh, made all those little practical props, but also gave them some CG in there. But you know that they are things that someone built. Wands in Harry Potter as well. I have an elder wand myself. You know, always keep that handy. Nice. Good to bring nice. at parties and stuff. A good uh, topic of discussion. Yeah. So uh, those would be some yeah. of mine. What about you? Like I've been talking nonstop about Star Wars, but I can also say like you know Indiana Jones's whip or his hat, mm-hmm. like that. It's something, that one's not even, like, a, a creative thing. But, like, ha, like the whip and the hat are are two, like, you see the whip and the hat, you know exactly who you're talking it's about. It's iconic, yeah. It, exactly, iconic. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the perfect word for it. You know who you're talking about, and you don't even have to say anything. You just need to play that first little bit of the music, show the hat and the whip, and everybody knows what it is. And that's, like, that's what I love is because that one is creative in terms of they made it part of the image. They worked it into the story so well. And like that's why I love part of Last Crusade because I'm not always a huge fan of like prequels in a way that like you don't always need an origin story. But I find that like Last Crusade did it very well when you show that he gets the he gets the whip from a circus train in the lion in the in the lion car. And he gets the hat from the from, from the, uh, the other group of robbers who were trying to get the cross that he stole and the, you know, the, the main robber gives him the hat. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's something that I love because you, you're, part of the, you're part of the world. When you see that, you go, oh, I, that explains everything. But it does it in such a great way that it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't shoehorn it in. It doesn't be like, oh, well, you, it's a callback, you know? Like, he's this, you see the whip? He got the whip from there. It just... It plays it in part of the action of he grabs it off the wall and he whips it down and he's trying to control that line and it's like that like it's just it's just a bunch of braided like leather and 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 rope and, and like animal hair that's all it is but it's something that I love because I know exactly what it is it's familiar to me you know uh, the the DeLorean from Back to the Future like DeLorean only ever made one car and it's everybody knows what the DeLorean is because of that movie. Like, like if, if I could have, like, actual used props, like, if I bought them from, from like, an, an auction or something like that. Like, I'd love to have Luke's lightsaber from Return of the Jedi. That's probably my favorite lightsaber, followed closely by Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber. Something about those ones, just those pro- those lightsabers, just, they look so cool to me. Like, they look like, they look like a lightsaber should. Because, you know, like, I, like a lot of people go crazy over, like, Dooku's curved um, lightsaber. I mean, it's cool. It's different. I like the change. I like how not everything looks the same. But something about the way that Luke's lightsaber looks in Return of the Jedi and the way that Qui-Gon's looks, they're both so simple, but they're so detailed at the same time. There's something that, like, you can tell... There's the top piece, there's the middle, there's the button that turns it on, and there's the, there's the end of it. And, and that's what I love. And I think that those two are probably my favorite because they're, those are two that get very nice close-up shots in the movies, like very clear shots. And I think that when I was young and watching the, these movies, I could stare at them and go like, I can see every part of that. So like, that's why I love it, you know? When Obi-Wan's hanging and just pulling Qui-Gon's lightsaber when he decapitates Darth Maul, like that's what started it all. Phantom Menace and the close-up shot of the lightsaber. You see the shot of the lightsaber right there and I'm like, you can see the whole thing. You can see the giant red button on it. And that's what I love about it, you know? Like when, when, when the DeLorean hits 88 miles an hour and, they, and he, 
you know, Doc sends Einstein into the future. And after the, the flame wheels are going there and you can see the, the license plate that's spinning there and the, the license plate says out of time. Like, I, it's such a, it's, it's, it's so cool because it's different. And somebody thought of that. Somebody, somebody said, well, this car has to have a license plate. What are we going to put on it? Are we going to make it a regular like California license plate or are we going to make it like a vanity plate? And sure enough, they make, they make a good joke out of time. And it's something that like, you know, the movie doesn't address. Doc Brown doesn't go up to the back of the DeLorean when he's explaining it. And he goes, mm-hmm. look at this. I even got a custom license yeah. plate. It's something that you just see. Mm-hmm. Doc Brown made use of the license plate uh, options for a vanity plate and made a joke out of it. I like things that you can that you can see in movies. It, I don't necessarily have favorites. It's so much like the same way I can't organize my movies. It's just because it's whatever I'm feeling at the moment. If I'm really into thinking about how I want to create my lightsaber, which I can tangent in there and say that, unfortunately, with the lightsaber, I, it was back to the drawing board. <laughs> my glue didn't hold and it fell apart. So that's restart. But that's the way part of it goes. But what I did do is... I did bring another one that I'm working on. It's not a lightsaber, but it's just repainting a Nerf gun. It's something as simple as this was originally yellow and uh, orange. So you spray paint it black, and you just get some acrylic paint, and you start painting over certain aspects of it. You know, you got a dark blue there, you got a light blue. And this is something that I just, I, I just wanted to work on. I didn't have a plan for this. I didn't write it down. I would just pick it up, and if I didn't like that color paint that I put on it, I would just paint over it with the black and start again. And that's what I love about the creating of props, is because, like, you can always go somewhere from it. You know, if it doesn't work out, like, my lightsaber didn't work out, it doesn't mean that I'm never going to make one again. It just means that I have to start again. And that's what I love about the creative aspect, is I might be sitting there one entire afternoon, a four-hour block, and going, none of this is sticking together. None of this is, 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 is holding the glue. None of my buttons are staying together or, um, you know, like I, I can't cut through this one piece of plastic or this one piece of metal or whatever it is. But then the next day I could sit down and go, oh, wow, I got this great idea. You know, I can get up and take a walk or I can get up and I can watch something on TV and I can go, hey, I could use that idea. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it. Prompts are almost endless. There's nothing stopping you but your own creativity. Mm-hmm. So having having something as simple as a Nerf gun and just repainting it, it already, like you can tell, you know what a Nerf gun looks like, but you look at that and go, it almost doesn't look like a Nerf gun mm-hmm. because it's painted to look like something else. I thought it was something you built from scratch. A little disappointed that it's a Nerf gun, but it's all good. It still looks <laughs> Next cool. time you have me on, I'll have something from scratch. Okay, like let's remember that. <laughs> we'll remember that. We're remembering this. Yeah, write it down. What is it? Eight fifteen? Yeah, write it down. I made this promise. We uh, got a few people who submitted some props of their own that they really like, like iconic props. Um, one was from actually three-time guest, iconic, the homie Curtis Daigle. All right. He said Lucille from The Walking Dead, so Negan's barbed wire wrapped yeah. baseball bat. Very iconic. Very well One of known, my yeah. favorite villains in TV. If ever we do that episode, Matt Def- Negan will definitely get a shout out. Okay. I love that weapon. And just an iconic scene, right? When he's bashing Glenn's brains in as well. It's a classic comic book moment. And uh, they brought that character perfectly to the screen. And the bat was a big part of it, right? Like people know Negan. Exactly. Not only because he's cool and funny, a big personality. But also be, mainly because of his bat, right? I feel like that's yeah. one of the mm-hmm. main selling points to the character. Why people? Yeah, love it, him it so brings much. it sells you the character as being real. It, you're you can feel that you're there and that he's actually threatening because this bat that you know him for is there. It's in front of you, and it's something as simple as a literal bat with barbed wire just around it. Mm-hmm. Now, is it real barbed wire or is it just you know? 3d printed rubber or is it you know like that's what i love is that is that real or did they create it and how did they create it and uh, my girlfriend andy said the nun masks in the movie the town the town yeah Yeah. not as like i don't think wow just chirping her choice eh, matt 
No, I'm saying it's not as as known as what I'm saying. I don't think I think if you go ask half the people what about that they don't know what the town is. Do you think the town is a seen movie, a movie that's been seen a lot? That's yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't at. think it's a classic across the board, but it, it's a great movie that I think yeah, a lot oh, 100%. of people have seen. Okay, put this whole town in my rear view. <laughs> great movie. I, I like. I like the answer. Fun. I'm just saying. Do people like my sister has no idea what that is. I can ask half the people I work. I'll maybe this I'll get back to you guys on that. Some iconic moments in that movie. Like, whose car are we taking? It's a classic scene. Mm-hmm. Need more context. Anyways, I, we love the town, and that was her answer, so thank you. And then our uncle, Pat Smith, oh, okay. gave a nice answer here. So he had he listed a few of the iconic must-mentions in the prop world. Okay. So I'm just going to list them off. The blue key in Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. Okay. The shower like head it. and music in Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. 100%, yeah. The cigars in Clint Eastwood's Spaghetti Westerns. Mm-hmm. And the monolith in 2001, A Space Odyssey. Wow, great answers, Uncle Pat. Wow. Those are really good answers. Although, I, I understand the showerhead. I probably would have said the blood more for a prop. Because the prop was actually chocolate syrup. Mm-hmm. So they actually just poured the chocolate syrup down the drain. And I think for me, like something... It, 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 you didn't even have to create anything. You just, you poured something down a drain and it's such, such a memorable thing. And I, I love that create creative aspect, you know, like who would have thought that holding uh, a magnet next to a, next to a, a cathode ray tube would produce such an iconic sound for kids everywhere for a lightsaber. <laughs> Somebody thought I'm going to put this next to this and this is going to be the sound of generations of kids playing outside. True. Well said, uh, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. Nobody, people would have laughed at you in your face if you would have told them that. You're right. <laughs> exactly. You know, and none of these props were meant to last. These props were just meant they were going to shoot and then they threw them out. You know, they, they, whether they threw them out or not, you know, it's just they just didn't need them. How many of them actually survived? How many of, our, of the stuff from our, from our childhood movies actually survived? Like, I don't think the sleds from from Citizen Kane may have survived. I, maybe there was, I, there was definitely more than one, but you know, how many of those are still around? It's something like iconic like that. And that's what I, 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 I love about it is because even if the prompt doesn't exist in real life, the it, it's, it's, it's status is still there. Mm-hmm. Every, when you say, when, when you, when you talk to nine out of 10 people on the street, you know, after they say, get away from me, they're going to say, if if you ask them what a lightsaber is, they're they're gonna know. They're gonna know what a lightsaber is because yeah. exactly. And that's like that's the the staying power that I love about it is because you don't have to you don't have to have an intellectual discussion about what what a, a movie's story is about or how it was acted or how it was written or the political context or what its actual underlying meanings are with with, with what color the curtains are. It's just the the meaning is those curtains are blue. Why did they pick blue? Maybe it was a director's choice, or maybe it was just that it was the only curtains they could find at the thrift store trying to find props for the movie. You know, like the the chairs in Star Trek. Most of them for the 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 not not the main captain's chair, but in in the later seasons, most of them are dentist chairs. And like that's what I love is because you can sit in a dentist chair and you can go, all right, it's a regular chair that just goes up and down. That's what it is. But for me, when I love prompts, I can sit in it and be like, I'm on the Enterprise right now. Yeah, we had last one was from the homie two-time guest as well, Justin Mocktinger. All right. So we had two answers. The first one was in the same vein as myself in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Captain America's Shield was one answer. And then, of course... The Precious, so The Ring and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Classic answers. You see so up close. You see it up close and you can look at it and it's somebody engraved that, you know? Like, I mean, I don't think I could make a ring by from from scratch sort of thing, but, like, somebody engraved that. Somebody took the time to carve out each letter around it or um, the scene when they drop... When, when he drops the ring, the leaving um, 
No, not in the snow. When he's leaving um, Bag End. Oh, okay, yes, yes. And he yes. turns his hand and it falls flat and it doesn't bounce. That's actually a giant ring. You'd never think of it when you're looking at the movie because you're just thinking, oh, it's a ring. Oh, I don't know mm -hmm. how they didn't get it to bounce. It's just, that's a movie magic sort of thing like that. But then, you know, they made a giant ring that's like, you know, that big and mm -hmm. thunk when it hits the ground. And that, that leads into my answer. Like, Kevin, the way you feel about Star Wars and the props is the way I feel about Lord of the Rings. Like, I'm obsessed with... Oh, the special features on like how they were building all the props is like almost as good as the movie for me. I, I love Lord of the Rings and it's for the world, the world building the, I can just see something and associate it with, oh, I love it. So that, those are my answers. All the, all the props in Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The special features for the, like the extended editions of the Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. are must watch. We have yes, them as well on DVD. Like we've had them for years now and, I've seen them all multiple times. It's just so cool to see like all the extra work that goes in behind the scenes yeah. and stuff. And mm -hmm. the three of us all appreciate that a lot. Well, the next question, uh, Kevin, was, and you kind of alluded to it, but like other than props, what are the other aspects of film that you like? And I know you talked about like sound because it's also a creative outlet, but there's also like like practical effects, like photography, with, like shooting or even writing. Like, are any of those? What are your thoughts? I sound is also a big one for me. I, I love watching behind the scenes with sound and seeing how they create sound. Like like when when there's a when there's a scene with a with a grocery bag or something like that. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of movies that the bag isn't actually a paper bag. It's a vinyl bag because there's a company that makes the vinyl bag because the sound designers can't work with that sound because what they're gonna do is while well, they're sitting in a dark room with no sound going on, they're going to have their own paper bag and they're just watching the film and slapping the paper bag around and that's what makes the noise. And I, I love that aspect because, again, it's creativity. Yeah, sound mixing, right? Yeah. Exactly. You know, for pool balls, they, it's not real pool balls when they're, when they're playing in a, in, like in a bar scene because that would be so loud. So they paint racket balls to look like pool balls and then they add the sound in afterwards. So it go, again, it goes along with the prompts. They kind of go hand in hand. But I love the, the, mm -hmm. the sound design and like having the ideas, like I said before, with the, with the magnet and the cathode ray, like that sound, who thinks of that? I love the, the creativity aspect where it's, I'm going to take two objects, I'm going to bang them together, they're going to make this noise, I'm going to put that in my movie, and when people watch it, they're going to go, yeah, that would make that noise. Like, it's just, it makes sense. Cool. So sound to me is also, they go hand in hand with props because obviously the props have to make noise. So, but the sound is something, and like I asked you guys earlier, how much of the movie is the sum of its parts? Because the props and the sounds go together to make you feel like that characters are actually acting. Because if you ever watch any behind the scenes of actors working on green screens and they don't have a prop or they, they're fighting some invisible monster, it doesn't, it looks strange because there's no music, there's no props, they're, they're just running from something invisible so going the, the behind the scenes with with the sound like that also the sound and the music too mm -hmm. like i'm by no means a composer or like a, a musician i mean i can play an instrument but that's that's about it but you know duel of the fates sets that whole fight scene like how much of that fight scene between maul qui-gon jinn and obi-wan is duel of the fates it's so amazing in every single way it's such a great fight on its own but the music is what to make it you know it goes from a nine and a half to a ten because of that because of that sound you hear this you hear the lightsabers hitting together right as the music swells so sound has got to be like sound is my number two props is one sound is a very close second wow well said Super underrated. I feel like sound and like definitely the soundtrack is huge as well. But just the sound and all these little sound effects are things that I, I want to say just average people don't really think about when they're watching a movie. Like how do the how do that sound? That's something we really take for granted watching a movie. Like who would have ever thought that when a, there there's a scene where two people are playing pool that first of all it's not actually pool balls on the table, but that there's also a different like another sounds being made in post production kind mm -hmm. of thing. And me like personally. Yeah. Just for fun, like English lit is my major. I've always liked to write and I do 
do some writing here and there like just for fun like short stories and stuff and it's always been mm-hmm. a bit of a goal of mine to make my own movie like keep the creative juices going so I'll definitely be consulting yeah. you Kevin for the sound props mm-hmm. maybe even soundtrack who knows get that instrument that you, you play here. in there as well but yeah there's so much that goes into making a movie that it, like writing a script is one thing but then bringing it to life through film is another and then really mm-hmm. polishing it all with good sound and mix it, mastering is it'll make the difference between mm-hmm. a crappy student film and a a better exactly. student film. No, some <laughs> some movies live off their soundtrack and they're ma- they're yeah. considered masterpieces just because of their soundtrack. And I'm thinking more like the in the horror in the well in the horror genre where like a score will yeah. make that movie and you hear it and you think about the movie. Big like chill, to me, movie, or John Carpenter's yeah. soundtrack in Halloween, Halloween, for me, exactly. anyways, that's really yeah. what makes yeah. it. Like that's my go-to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That loud, that loud screech, when when the music is suddenly about to drop, and it's this weird instrument that looks like a drum upside down that they pour water into it, and the more water that you pour into it is how high pitched the sound is, and you're playing it like a piece of metal with, with uh, with a, a a violin bow, and you're like. That that iconic noise of when something goes wrong in a horror mm. movie, and mm. everyone knows that. You know, you play that sound, nine out of ten people on the street is going to know what that is too. It's that Friday, that Friday the Thirteenth jump scare sound, like that, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you you feel it in your chest. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I I something bad's about to happen. You know, mm-hmm. and it's something. It, it's a sound. It's nothing tangible. You can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't feel it. But the second you hear it, you know, somebody's in trouble. Is it me? Like, that made me so uncomfortable. I know I'm sitting in a theater and I'm watching a movie. But that that one sound, you know, I, my toe is kind of curled up. Because yeah, do I have goosebumps. to be aware of something? Yeah. Exactly, and, yeah. Yeah. No, sound is... Uh, I'm a huge sound guy, actually. And <laughs> that, like, just the music of a movie can give me bone chills and, like, makes, like... Yeah, we're not going to, we'll be here all night if we start listing off examples. Um, okay, so so I just want to know, like, what were your likes and dislikes when you were studying film and, like, your experience, basically, Kevin? Like, I just, I'm super curious. I've always wanted to take, like, I've never done it, but I've always, it was always an interest of mine. Film courses are, are something else. It kind of depends on what the subject is, because a lot of the times with the subject courses, you won't get, you won't get... Every, you're not you're not going to be sitting watching Hollywood movies okay. the whole time just because um, unless you have a course specifically studying Hollywood movies, you're going to get a lot of art house, not random necessarily, but you're going to get a lot of movies that connect in ways that you may not understand. Like I'll, I'll say like like the first um, the first film course, the intro to film course that I took in university, the last four weeks. We uh, we watched all uh, Quebecois movies. Oh wow, nice! They were, and it's 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 the difference of how you um, the, the different genres and, and what aspects go into each movie based on where they uh, where where they were shot or who's directing it and what what influences they have. So all all your courses are going to be different. The the concept of studying film is going to be relatively similar no matter what film you're studying it kind of depends like are you focusing on the props are you focusing on the sound are you focusing on the writing are you watching the actors like whatever you're looking at if you're saying like all right i'm gonna look specifically for plot holes in this movie so i means i have to pay attention i don't care what the movie looks like i don't care what the mm-hmm. what the props are i don't care if there's effects whatever it is i'm just gonna sit and listen to the story as much as possible and i'm gonna try and poke holes in this now, you know, your story is going to be a lot different than, say, you know, Eric's story, because he might have a different experience that, that leads him to connect something to it. So while you, you are both, you, you're both related, you both have grown up together, but yet you have such different experiences that, that it's, that's, that's what happens in, in a class. And that's when you have a discussion about it, because somebody sitting across from you, you've never heard them speak. And, you know, they've never heard you speak. You've never, you've never interacted with them other than you've seen them walk in and out of class. You might have both had a similar experience that when that part of the movie came up, you both sat there and went, wow, that made me think of this. And you, when you have that discussion, you go, well, that, 
I didn't know somebody else could feel that way. So it all depends on, on what you're looking for when you're studying a, a film. Because sometimes you might study a film uh, or you might uh, take a film class where you're studying films all of the, all of the same nature or that you're looking for all experimental films or all animated films or whatever it is. And you're, you're looking for the same thing in, in each movie in, in a lot of the cases there because that's how they connected it when I was in school. It was, oh, these four movies all go together and then these four movies all go together and they all have this aspect in common and this is what we're going to learn about. We're going to learn about how, you know, uh, how this, this, this style of writing goes on or, you know, uh, like an aspect that I remember very clearly is Rashomon. Oh, I, one of my favorites. Exactly. So, you know, and for those who don't know it, Rashomon, it's one, it's basically considered to be one of the first movies that, that lied to you because you have three people telling a story and the concept of the movie explains that it's this person's story, it's this person's story and this person's story. You know, you have to figure out who's lying, who's telling the truth. Which story is the, you know, because in this case, there's going to be four stories. There's going to be their three stories and then what the truth is. After we watched Rashomon, I think the next week we watched um, Hero, which is the same sort of concept, but it's a much more modern movie from the, from the 2000s. Yeah. It's the same story, but every time they tell the story, something different happens, of course, and all the characters are wearing different clothing. They're all wearing the same, or the same clothing, but it's different, different colors. Color, yeah. And exactly, so it's like I love that movie. That's something that it's it's something that that goes together that you wouldn't think about. Like yes, you think about it when I'm saying it, you go, oh yeah, that makes sense. You're it's a different story of each. But if you watch the movie, you may not understand it. So that's what I liked about the course is or about the course is it's what what is similar between all movies. You know how does how does how do a bunch of people manage to use the same medium in such different ways? One of the one of the movies that I had to watch when I was in in, in class was it's the oldest Canadian film that still survives, and it's a three hour silent film, Canadian silent film from nineteen nineteen. Wow. So it's it's long, it's arduous, it's it's basically a battle of attrition to sit through that because it's just not what we're used to. Because you're not, we're used to movies that are a little more fast paced. And obviously we've all grown up watching movies with, with sound and with voices. And we've taken that for granted in a way because then we sit and watch that and we struggle through it. But, you know, in 1919, that's all people had. And, you know, they didn't have a soundtrack to it. The movie from 1919 that has a soundtrack, which was people playing in an orchestra pit under the stage versus now where John Williams records in a giant auditorium that's perfectly soundproofed and they have to they have the sound mixers going over it for days and days and weeks and months sometimes even years to get the sound incredibly perfect it's the same but it's a hundred years apart so that's what i love learning is just you know it's the same but it's different and how and how they connect and how it's still the same medium a hundred years apart it's chef's kiss you know that's beautifully said. Uh, beautifully said, Kevin. I mean, we could we could expand on this subject easily, like of course, yeah. Um, but I think Eric, you want to get into like a little something, little fun, like uh, a this or that type mm. segment. We'll do a series of ten questions, one or the other mm -hmm. scenario. It's this or that. Horror or comedy. Comedy. Okay, Tarantino or Scorsese. <gasps> Scorsese. Uh, popcorn or chips? Popcorn. Good answer. Marvel movie or art film? Art film. Okay. Documentary or musical? Musical. Uh, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, I think we all knew that was coming. Uh, I think you kind of alluded to this earlier there, but we'll still ask. Yeah. Drama or science fiction? Science fiction. Okay, a, a brand new movie or an old black and white classic? Old black and white classic. 1919 Canadian silent film, three-hour movie. <laughs> um, Robert De Niro or Leonardo DiCaprio? De Niro. Yes, okay. And then lastly, Alfred Hitchcock or Christopher Nolan? Hitchcock. Oh, I love your answers. Good stuff, yeah. That's Great answers, it. Kevin. 
I mean, that pretty much wraps up our discussion there. Great stuff. You've had some great answers for us there that we'll be dissecting for years to come and um, have given the listeners a lot to think about for sure when it comes to appreciation of movies that there's a lot more to movies than just the action scenes there's not only political intrigue as well but also the sound that goes into the props Mm -hmm. that we all kind of take for granted when we watch movies so kevin do you have any thanks a lot for joining us do you have any final notes for the listeners before we wrap this up I would say just enjoy whatever movies you want to enjoy and don't let t- people tell you different. If you like the new Star Wars sequels, I do, don't let anyone tell you different because you're allowed to like what you like. I agree with well that 100%. Yeah. Matt, any final notes for the listeners? And for the listeners, like, thank you for listen- for tuning in again. And Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we... We we could have talked another hour and a half because uh, we only went through like half of our questions. So maybe a future podcast with you is in the uh, would be is going to happen. Absolutely, and I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. And everybody else, just stay safe out there, and yeah, just stay safe. Yeah, thanks a lot, Kevin, for joining us. Absolutely killed it on here, Matt. A pleasure as always. And yeah, we'll have to all get together again when we get our. Our film going up off the ground there. Uh, we'll write something. Kevin will get our props going, the sound, Definitely. and Matt and I will uh, we'll act in it. Who knows? We'll figure something out. So, yeah, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Yeah, stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to stay safe. Love you all. And, yeah, peace.